RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Tighter rules are being imposed on restaurants, bars and other businesses as COVID-19 cases surge. A lawmaker warns the catering industry will be hard hit by the measures. And Beijing responds angrily to Australia's extradition treaty and visas move for Hong Kong. The government's announced it will be tightening recently eased social distancing measures in light of a surge in locally transmitted cases of COVID-19. 34 new local coronavirus cases have been reported today, along with eight involving people who recently returned from overseas. Many of the new local infections are linked to a growing cluster at a care home. Candice Wong reports. From Saturday, Hong Kong is upping its restrictions on restaurants and bars and further tightening social distancing measures at other places such as gyms, karaoke parlours and cinemas. Health Secretary Sophia Chan says restaurants will only be allowed to fill 60% of their maximum capacity with an eight-person limit for each table. A maximum of four customers will be allowed at each table in a bar and the limit on how many can gather at other venues where people often don't wear masks, such as karaoke's, gyms and party rooms, will be halved from 16 to 8. Nightclubs can only run at 60% capacity, with the maximum number of customers per table decreasing from 8 to 4. All food and drink will be banned at cinemas and performance venues. 23 of the new local infections are linked to an outbreak at an elderly care home in Qiwanshan. In two of the new coronavirus cases, authorities don't know how the patients became infected, while nine of the new locally acquired infections are linked to previously confirmed patients. Catering sector lawmaker Tommy Cheung says these latest measures will definitely put a big dent in the industry's recovery. If the latest measure is going to put a big dent in the restaurant business, the third relief fund should probably think of when to do it and how quickly to do it to help our business. Obviously, how bad it's going to hurt right now, we don't know, but definitely the gains we have made in the last two, three weeks since Father's Day, this is going to hurt. Let's hope it's not going to hurt too long. Business and Professionals Alliance lawmaker Priscilla Leung says she's received many phone calls from parents who are worried about the new coronavirus outbreak and school classes should be suspended as soon as possible. She also thinks businesses should adopt flexible working arrangements again. This policy should be implemented as soon as possible so that we can have a reduction of the passengers in public transport as well as different kind of activities. Previous policy addressing the second wave of the spread of coronavirus may need to be reconsidered. Beijing has reacted angrily to Australia's move to suspend its extradition treaty with the SAR and offer a route to permanent residency for thousands of Hong Kong people in the country. The moves are a response to the SAR's new national security law. Vicky Wong has details. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison says 10,000 Hong Kongers will be able to extend their visas by five years and a pathway to Australian permanent residency will be offered to those currently in the country on student or temporary work visas. And the extradition deal with Hong Kong is being halted. So Australia today has taken steps to suspend our extradition agreement. Uh, We have formally notified Hong Kong and advised the Chinese authorities. China's embassy in Canberra shot back quickly, condemning the steps as a serious violation of international law and a gross interference in China's internal affairs. 
In Beijing, the foreign ministry said China reserves the right to take further action in response to the extradition treaty move. Meanwhile, Australia has also updated its travel advice for Hong Kong, warning its people they are at increased risk of detention in the SAR and urging them to reconsider their need to remain in the city. New Zealand says it is reviewing its policies on Hong Kong, including extradition arrangements, controls on exports of strategic goods and travel advice. Foreign Minister Winston Peters says the national security law has fundamentally changed the environment for international engagement with the SAR. He says New Zealand has close links with Hong Kong and his government will continue to monitor the impact of the law on the SAR's residents. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Constitutional Affairs Secretary Eric Zung says the primary polls are the opposition is planning to choose candidates for September's LegCo elections could breach multiple parts of the national security law. But the claim has been met with derision from the pro-democracy camp. Damon Pang reports. Eric Zung has told pro-Beijing newspapers that the authorities are investigating complaints regarding the pro-democracy camp's primaries, specifically concerns they might violate the elections ordinance and the new national security law. He said a lot of people are worried the polls could be aimed at manipulating or interfering in September's LegCo elections. Mr Zhang also noted that some would-be candidates have stated that if they are elected, they would try to veto future budgets to paralyze the administration. He said those organizing or taking part in the primaries could be guilty of secession, subversion or collusion with foreign forces. But legal scholar Benny Tai, who is one of the organizers, has rejected the warning. On social media, he said there's nothing illegal about the primaries and they don't involve advocating separating Hong Kong from the rest of China. He also said that vetoing the government's budget is a constitutional power enshrined in the basic law. But Professor Tai added that the national security law is a law of the mainland and the provisions may not be interpreted according to common sense. Democratic Party lawmaker Lam Chekting says the Constitutional Affairs Secretary is just trying to scare away voters. He just wants to threaten Hong Kong people that they should not participate in the primary election. His allegation is absolutely groundless and unreasonable. And I think Hong Kong people should stand firm to voice out their opinion on the coming election. But Federation of Trade Unions lawmaker Alice Mack agrees with the government. If someone has explicitly said their objective of organizing such a primaries is to subvert the authority or the current government, anyone who assists in such an act, I think the executive bodies may have the grounds to consider that they are a breach of the national security law. The pan-democrats are planning to hold their primaries on Saturday and Sunday. A mainland human rights lawyer who was jailed for subversion says Hong Kong's new security law is scary and brings with it unspeakable worries because the authorities are free to define for themselves what constitutes a threat to the nation. Wang Changshang was one of the lawyers and activists who were rounded up five years ago in the so-called 709 crackdown. He's told RTHK that since his release in April, he still gets warnings from the authorities against speaking to the media, but he finds their attempts to silence him to be ridiculous. He also thanked Hong Kong people for following his plight over the years. Lawmakers have given almost unanimous consent to a bill that will see statutory maternity leave increased from the current 10 weeks to 14. 54 lawmakers voted in support of the bill and two abstained. The policy will kick in by the end of this year. The government will reimburse employers for the cost of the additional leave, capped at $80,000 per worker. Labour Party lawmaker Fernando Cheung says there is still more to do to protect the rights of new parents.
Well, first, it is not 100% uh, the salary covered. Uh, we certainly hope that could be extended to 100% of uh, monthly incomes of all uh, pregnant women. And also, we like to look forward to the concept of parental leave, which would allow flexibility of the leave taken by either side, mother and or father, and sometimes both. That would help promote the shared responsibility. The Ombudsman has taken the Leisure and Cultural Services Department to task for the way it manages public swing pools. While sports associations can hire lanes at 42 pools at cheaper rates to be used for training, the watchdog has found abuse in the system with two major groups dominating the bookings. Here's the Ombudsman, Winnie Chu. From our investigation, we find that there have been occasions where certain uh, swimming clubs have sort of monopolized quite a large number of uh, swimming lanes, and some clubs have taken up quite a lot of swimming lanes and then cancelled them. So this is not a very effective mechanism to ensure that the uh, swimmers who need a venue for sustained training to be able to, uh, to be having that place to do their training. The Guide Dogs Association says it plans to double the number of guide dogs in Hong Kong in the coming two years. But as Violet Wong tells us, that would still fall far short in meeting the needs of the visually impaired. Hong Kong is currently home to 45 guide dogs, while about 175,000 people are visually impaired. Most of the animals are imported from overseas, but the association says it wants to step up local breeding to meet growing demand. Is teamed up with Ocean Park to preserve frozen dog semen. The association says using frozen samples has a higher success rate and is cheaper than using chilled semen from outside of Hong Kong, which can only be stored for two days. Dr. Paolo Mattelli is Ocean Park's Fed Services Director. If you can freeze the semen successfully, that semen can stay in storage for years, not just months. It can be, in this case, we're talking about months because they have a high use uh, for it. But actually, we have used semen that have been in store for more than 10 years and obtained babies. The Guide Dogs Association's chairman, Lem Wai Pong, says he expects to breed at least 20 puppies every year. But he admits there's a long way to go while their plan is to double the number of guide dogs to 90 in the next two years mr lam says that still won't be enough to meet overall demand in hong kong we need more than a thousand guide dogs for the blind people so you can see the difference of course we want to improve the number as many as possible but we have other constraints like the financial constraint the spaces and also other facilities so we have to solve them one by one to make sure that we can we can make the quality guide dogs sufficient quantity to serve the society. He said currently there's an average wait of two years for the visually impaired to be allocated a guide dog. That's not expected to be shortened anytime soon. Victoria Harbour now has its first regular low-emission ferry service. Star Ferry Company has changed one of its diesel engine vessels into a diesel-electric one. Candice Wong went for a ride on the now greener ferry, the Morning Star. The company says it cost $8 million to convert the engine to the hybrid system, with the government paying $3 million of it. But once on board, it all looks and feels the same as any other cross-harbour star ferry. 
What it is, though, is a lot more environmentally friendly, the company says. The Morning Star will first be used for journeys between Chimsa Choi and Wan Chai during peak hours, before eventually switching to other routes. The company's general manager, Jackie Ho, says they are planning to modify another of their ferries to the hybrid engine, which is proven to help air quality. In emission reduction, the effect is very prominent. Over the past one or two two months, we have successfully found out that the emission reduction has been over 50% or more for the emission of the carbohydrate or nitrogen oxide on other black smoke emission. The effect is very good. Mr Ho says this isn't the end of their green strategies and they're looking into introducing fully electric ferries in the future. U.S. court documents have revealed that the policeman accused of murdering George Floyd by kneeling on his neck told him to stop shouting when he repeatedly said he could not breathe. Transcripts from body camera footage showed that Mr. Floyd, an unarmed black man, called out for his mother and children in his final moments. BBC's Henry Bellow has more details. This is a transcript of the audio that was recorded by a camera that was attached to one of the officers at the scene, a man named Thomas Lane. He has subsequently been charged with aiding and abetting murder. He has asked his lawyers, though, to argue that these charges be dismissed, and this transcript was made publicly available in court as part of his lawyer's defence. According to this transcript, he told the officers that he couldn't breathe more than 20 times. At one point when he was handcuffed, he said to them, you're going to kill me, man to which the reply was, stop yelling, it takes a heck of a lot of oxygen to talk. The charity Oxfam says more people could die from hunger as a result of the coronavirus crisis than from the disease itself. In a report, Oxfam says the pandemic has disrupted food supplies and harvests in many countries. BBC's Naomi Grimley has more details. The UN has already warned that 122 million more people could be pushed to the brink of starvation as a result of the social and economic fallout from the pandemic. Oxfam cites some of the problems faced by countries such as Yemen. Remittances, the money sent home by Yemeni migrants to help their families, have plummeted by 80% because of mass job losses across the Gulf. Among the wealthier nations, India is facing huge food supply problems after lockdown restrictions left farmers without migrant labour at the peak of the harvest season. Reminder of our top stories tonight. Tight rules are being imposed on restaurants, bars and other businesses as COVID-19 cases surge. A lawmaker warns the catering industry will be hit hard by the measures and Beijing responds angrily to Australia's extradition treaty and visas move for Hong Kong. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. It's time now for good stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. Social distancing restrictions are to be reimposed in Hong Kong starting on Saturday, following a recent surge in the number of coronavirus infections. 34 of 42 new cases confirmed today were thought to have been contracted locally, five from unknown sources. In response, the government will limit restaurants to 60% of capacity, while more stringent controls will be placed on venues such as bars, nightclubs, karaoke's and gyms. An infectious disease specialist from the University of Hong Kong, Professor Ivan Hong, told RTHK's Anna-Marie Evans the surge in cases is likely linked to the relaxation of previous measures two weeks ago. I think the current problem is that we're seeing a massive community outbreak right now. That actually took place perhaps two weeks ago. 
so we're seeing a uh, many different kind of sources which we're not able to trace and uh, happening right now in the in the community. So this is causing a problem in terms of uh, infection control, uh, as well as that uh, we're expecting more cases to come into hospital as confirmed uh, local cases. So why has this wave of infections come so quickly? Well, I think there are several reasons. First of all is that uh, there might be due to, you know, a mutation in terms of the, uh, the virus itself, in terms of the spike protein, uh, the D614G mutation, uh, that may perhaps enhance the transmissibility of the virus. Uh, the second reason, of course, is that there was a relaxation in terms of the infection control measures uh, about two weeks ago, just after Father's Day. So, uh, you know, we have a relaxation and we are allowing people to, uh, to uh, you know, come into contact uh, with others as well as that within the restaurant, you are allowed to have like more than 50 people, uh, you know, gathering together. So this relaxation perhaps had uh, eased the, in terms of the, uh, the transmission of the virus. So hopefully uh, with the, you know, tightening up with the infection control, we are able to contain the uh, pandemic again. Yeah, do you think that, what do you think of the timing of bringing back the restrictions too early, too late? Well, I think it's just the right time because uh, it's, it's, uh, we are seeing the increased number of local cases. Then hopefully with the uh, prompt improvement in uh, implementation of the uh, infection control measures, uh, together with the early admissions and treating of the patient, we're able to contain the virus. So what should the public do to protect themselves? Well, I think this, uh, most important is still uh, universal masking, uh, especially in uh, indoor areas, uh, as well as that if you can, uh, you know, the social distancing, and, and hopefully, you know, uh, having an early uh, closing of the school uh, for the summer holiday, uh, all these measures, and reducing the number of people uh, inside the restaurant, uh, all these measures will hopefully be able to contain the virus. The Confederation of Trade Unions says some businesses in Hong Kong are taking money from the government to subsidise staff wages, even though some workers are put on unpaid leave, are given pay cuts or have their original hours slashed. The CTU says some firms are breaking a condition for getting the pandemic relief funds by sacking staff because the fines they face for doing so aren't that large. The group's chairwoman, Carol Ung, spoke to Francis Sitt. The entire scheme, actually, it's not quite likely to trigger any kind of penalty mechanisms towards these employers. According to the conditions, basically just saying that you are not allowed to initiate any kind of redundancy and that's all. And the employers already fulfilled this part, so they can do whatever they want to. They didn't lay off people. They carry on employing staff, but these kinds of the staff very likely are the hourly rate staff or casual employment. That means even they just employ these people on one hour in every week, still treated and regarded as their employee. The government has the sole responsibilities to make sure how to resolve this situation. The employer have no pressures at all because they never ever get any chances to see those so-called penalty. Now, um, even if 
they are fined in the end. Uh, are you saying that some of these companies even don't mind being fined because they are getting such a huge amount of subsidies in the end? Yeah, for them, it's an extra amount of cash. In in my view, it's not far from a reward. You're just taking a small part away from your reward, so called as penalty. So for them, it's just nothing. And it wouldn't make them feel like a kind of alarm that I have to do something to correct some wrongdoings. There's not such purpose exists. The Ombudsman has urged health authorities to relax restrictions on the transfer of public hospital patients to two private hospitals that offer low-cost beds to Hong Kong residents to boost occupancy and help relieve the strain on the public health care system. Timmy Sung reports. Two unnamed hospitals are required to designate 20% of their beds as low-charge beds as part of conditions imposed in their land grants. It's a way for them to give back to the community in exchange for concessionary premiums. Patients only have to pay $120 for each bed space per day and have discounts on other hospital fees as well. But in an early investigation conducted by the watchdog in 2012, he found very low usage rates of between 23 and 45 percent at one of the hospitals. Since then, things have improved, and now around 70 to 80 percent of the 165 total bed spaces are used. However, the ombudsman said they can still do better, especially when it comes to the transfer of public hospital patients to these low-charge beds. The hospital authority can transfer patients only under specific conditions and only during peak flu seasons or outbreaks of infectious diseases. Still, the ombudsman said only a handful of patients have been transferred in the past several years, with one hospital only receiving two patients during the two flu searches. The authority explained that most patients were not suitable for transfer, while a doctor told the ombudsman that the transfer involves a lot of paperwork. The ombudsman Winnie Chiu said the exchange consider relaxing current restrictions to cover more patients. During those times, there might be some patients, the condition might have stabilized and transferred to other wards. Uh, in that case, um, perhaps the hospital authority can consider expanding uh, the scope of the referral. Ms. Chiu also said the authorities should not shy away from promoting the use of these beds. They have the concern about uh, whether promoting the private practices, individual hospitals will amount to some sort of collusion uh, or suspicion of collusion. I can understand that. But the fact is that if nobody knows about it, who's going to benefit? There are pros and cons and also difficulties in terms of promotion, but it doesn't mean that it cannot be overcome. All permanent residents are eligible for these low-charge beds, provided that they are given a reference by their doctor. The ombudsman also said health authorities should study other ways to make low-charge beds more appealing. There have been protests in Belgrade for a second night over the Serbian government's handling of the coronavirus crisis. They come amid anger over the return of strict lockdown measures. Earlier, a weekend curfew was announced after a rise in COVID-19 cases in Serbia and across the Western Balkans. The BBC's James Copnell asked Valerie Hopkins from the Financial Times newspaper what the protesters are so angry about. The protesters are very mad that after having going through one of the most stringent lockdowns in Europe um, and having the measures lifted in the, in the run-up to elections that were held on the 21st of June, that now there's a, such a big spike in cases that, 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 that there's going to be a lockdown again. I don't think that the protesters are mad 
not all of the protesters anyways are, are furious about the lockdown per se, but they feel that the government has mishandled the crisis and opened, liberalized things too early for their purposes so that um, the party of the president, Alexander Vucic, could win uh, a 64% majority in the parliament. Um, and then now that he solidified um, even more control over the country is shutting down again. Um, and it's and I think there is quite a link to those. You know, we saw in the week after the elections were held already three high level government officials, the Speaker of Parliament, um, the head of the Chamber of Commerce, one of the head officers for Kosovo. They all came back and the Minister of Defense all came back positive for coronavirus. Um, and, the, and the cases have indeed spiked in Belgrade and around the country. Um, and this is, you know, after initially in March when other Western European countries were cracking down already, uh, you know, there was a public health official who said that the virus was silly, you know. So, so the government took a lot of time. Then it had this very strict crackdown. Then it completely opened up and allowed all these football matches, 25,000 people to attend. And now it was going under a lockdown again. And I think that's what people are frustrated about. And specifically on this issue of the election, when the protesters say, he did it for his own political purposes, the president. Uh, do they have a point? I mean, he's clearly popular uh, to an extent if he got 64% in the polls. Well, uh, this is this election was boycotted by opposition parties who had been planning already for quite some time to, to boycott. And in fact, it was only uh, the, the the president's party, the Serbian Progressive Party, a second party that had, it had been in coalition with, and one other party that got less than 4% that actually made it into the parliament because of this boycott. Um, so now there is effectively, there's very little opposition. It's possible that this second party with whom uh, the Progressive Party was in government previously will be some kind of opposition. Um, but but yes, I mean, uh, the president is popular, but he's also quite frustrated. And, and most of his opponents would say that, you know, and, and Freedom House, actually, uh, which downgraded Serbia this year from... Um, from uh, free to, to partly free um, and to a hybrid regime instead of a consolidated democracy um, would say that, that that's also due to clientelism, to, a, to an increasing blending of the party and the state um, among, uh, in the administration, among uh, public administration jobs, etc. In the U.S., it seems that President Donald Trump is putting race at the center of his re-election campaign. In two speeches last weekend, he sharpened his attack on cultural issues, putting some members of his own party on edge. The BBC's John Sopel looks at how Mr Trump's efforts are working. The strategy of the Trump campaign was to fight the election on the towering strength of the U.S. economy. But with 11% now unemployed, that's not going to work. It was then going to be Trump the Churchillian war leader navigating America to safety by fighting coronavirus on the beaches and the landing fields. But though the US is leading the world in COVID-19, it's for all the wrong reasons. And so something else was needed. The Independence Day weekend is typically when the president focuses on all that unites Americans. But at Mount Rushmore, Donald Trump was more interested in us and them. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. 
then moved from motor racing to American football and an attack on two teams, the Washington Redskins and the Cleveland Indians. They're under pressure to change their names because of the derogatory terms used to describe Native Americans. The president says they're being weak and politically correct. So what's going on here? The president seems to be replaying the 1968 playbook of Richard Nixon. As we look at America, we see cities enveloped in smoke and flame. We see Americans hating each other, fighting each other, killing each other at home. And as we see and hear these things, millions of Americans cry out in anguish. Did we come all this way for this? The so-called Southern strategy works on the insight that the more you talk about race, the more you'll mobilise white working class, less educated voters to turn out for your side. In recent weeks, Donald Trump has repeatedly tweeted two words, silent majority, and another with three words, law and order. Joe Biden is leading President Trump in several key battleground states. But so far, it doesn't seem to be cutting through. Latest polls show Biden way out in front in all the key states where this election will be decided. And though the Trump campaign dismissed the polls, let me use another phrase made famous from the Nixon era. Follow the money. The Trump campaign is spending millions on ads in Georgia, Texas and Ohio that should be rock-solid Republican states. This suggests that he has serious problems approaching the November election. Though his campaign might have settled on a strategy, there's no evidence that it's working. Yet. The BBC's John Sopel. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK early this evening. Robert Kemp from our newsroom. The Caring and Sharing Scheme has been launched. Eligible Hong Kong people aged 18 or above who do not pay salaries tax and get no Social Security extra payments nor own a property can apply for $4,000. If you pay tax or live in self-occupied property, you can get the difference of $4,000 and the amount of tax and rates concessions. The application deadline is April 30th. Visit css.gov.hk or call 3897-1088. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember. Well, it's time for Music Nostalgia with... Uncle Ray all the way. In just a moment. <laughs> yes, just a moment. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Oh, we've been playing hide and seek, I tell you. Oh yes, this is Nostalgia, with Ray Codero all the way until 1am. Green Sleeves with Mantovani.
wonderful way to start nostalgia. Mentovani and... And of course, the very popular Green Sleeves. Evening shadows make me blue When each weary day is through How I long to be with you My happiness Every day I Shared our dreams, but I'll hold. 